Hi, it's Sarah Kaplan. This limited series podcast is from GATE Audio. GATE stands for the Institute for Gender and the Economy at the University of Toronto's Rotman School of Management, and I'm GATE's director. Our goal is to engage current and future leaders in rich conversations around inequities in our society and how we might address them. In this podcast series, one of GATE's MBA fellows, Nargis Premji, explores the different ways that people cover and uncover their identities at work. Through research, interviews, first-hand accounts, and rich storytelling, Nargis ventures into the world of covering, why it happens, and what employers can do to make workplaces more inclusive. You'll be moved and inspired by her deeply personal take on the issues, as was I. So up next, listen to what Nargis has to say. Welcome to Covering in the Workplace, a podcast from the Institute of Gender and the Economy, or GATE. I'm Nargis Premji. In each episode, I will be interviewing one individual on how they have covered in the workplace, or perhaps never felt the need to do so. Today, we will be speaking to Priyanka Mandiretta. Priyanka is the director of DX Learning, which is a company that specializes in professional leadership development. Prior to her current role in training and development, Priyanka worked in talent management, along with some major financial institutions like RBC and TD. Priyanka's story of covering in the workplace is with regards to her ethnicity and gender. Thank you for joining us today, Priyanka. Would you like to start us off by sharing how you cover in the workplace, if at all? Well, lucky enough, I would never had a challenge to not disclose where I'm coming from. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I'm heavily influenced by my grandfather, and he always used to tell me as a very young child is, never forget where you come from. Mm-hmm. And I have embraced my gender, my race, and my identity um, as a whole when I was a kid, as a student in college, and now as a wife and as a mother. And of course, as an employee. So for me, my gender, my race, my identity is something that defines me who I am Mm -hmm. and makes me going every day, no aspect, whether it's a personal thing or a professional thing. It seems that, you know, you are your full self at work, at home, wherever you are. It seems that you, you are truly authentic. So in what ways at work and specifically, are you your true self at work? As I said, um, I have always believed that when you bring yourself, whether it's relationship, whether it's work or anywhere, if you're not showing up 100%, it compromises the way you are. And I have, I have really believed in, in my past 16 years of my professional life, if I see myself successful, which is a very relative term, if I have to look back, all the organizations, my teams, people that I have worked with, I think the, the only reason I was able to succeed, um, again, the succession for me, it's my own personal goal, is because I was able to show up being my authentic self, which means you will see me as is, whether it's my office, my home, it's a doctor's appointment, everybody will know how I feel. And that's how I see myself even today. Um, so can you elaborate more on like a few examples of when you were your full self at work and you felt like this is truly me? I think I had the opportunity to work with many different organizations in Canada uh, in the past 16 years, which means, again, just to connect the dots, I was born and brought up in India. So when I was coming to Canada uh, on a spousal visa, I have 
thousand different opinions, suggestions from people. It says, hey, don't say that, don't do that, mm -hmm. you know. And then it made me um, a very biased person uh, for a little while. And by the time I was coming back in the workforce in Canada, um, on the first week of my job, I was trying to, I won't say hide, but I was a little shy um, in coming across as where I'm coming from, which part of the family I belong to, which part of the city I grew up with. But then when I was coming back home, I still remember very strongly that I felt sick. I felt sick in my stomach. Mm -hmm. And I said, this is not how I can work. This is not how I should be working if that's what it is. And if that's how I need to feel every day, I better find another job. Mm -hmm. I was very clear about that because it doesn't it doesn't feel right to me. And it took me just like less than 10 days. And again, first job in Canada, being a new immigrant, new wife on a spousal visa. Something shifted for me right away, um, week three. And when people were coming in, introducing themselves, I think I felt a strong urge to say, hey, I'm a landed immigrant. I was born and brought up in India. So I it, it didn't feel me that I have to hide anything. And I think they have embraced me um, with open arms. And I think that really defined me. And not to forget, because I was showing my authentic self, it has given them, because I still remember the, the office had a very diverse culture. People, they are from Germany, some were Quebec, there were people from Pakistan, there were people from Ukraine. I think the moment they start hearing me where I come from, within like two weeks, everybody was behaving differently. Everybody became natural to their aspect, talking about their local food, local festivals, what they believe in, where they go for prayers, their friends and everything. And it just changed the way we were coming together as a team. I think that was the biggest change I felt. And after that, Again, 16 years of this work life, I always felt that it's always good and very empowered when you show up being your full self. You mentioned in the first time you came to Canada and the first workplace you had, you were a little shy to bring your full self to work. Was it something about the workplace itself uh, that may have uh, have uh, encouraged you to maybe cover parts of your personality? It was not the workplace. Um, I think it's it's the perception. You know, when you're new in the country and the people who are already living here, you know, they they feel entitlement that they have the right to give you their opinions, mm -hmm. their suggestions, because they have left it and they don't want you to feel or learn the hard way. I think it just becomes a personal bias. Uh, but then because... When P and, and because you're new, you tend to hear these voices around you and you feel, oh, by the way, so-and-so is living in Canada for past 20 years. I'm sure he or she must know something that a new immigrant should be knowing to start on some kind of pedestal. Mm -hmm. um, for me, that was millions of noises that I have to encounter. Mm -hmm. But then I think just because... I gave, go back to my value system, never forget where you come from. It took me not enough time to say, you know what, I heard you, but it's my time to say what's good for me and I'm going to show up the way I am. If people have a problem with that, that's their problem, not mine. And that's that's how I always felt. So I think having a strong value system is, like you said, so essential to being authentic and your full self. How have you developed such a strong value system? How have you reached this level of comfort being yourself? I think I have developed this really strong value system. Um, I was the first born um, in my family back home in India. 
I was the first grandchild and I had first 10, 10 first cousins living in the same family. I think when you, when you, when you grew up in a large family and you are the eldest one, you, you tend to have this natural expectations from everybody around you. You need to be the role model mm-hmm. because all your cousins, your brothers and sisters are looking up to you. I think I, I had this instinct that, you know what, I have a responsibility towards cousins, towards my brothers and sisters, my aunts and uncles. And for me, because I had the opportunity to live with my grandparents who have migrated from Pakistan at the time of the partition, I think the value system ingrained in me is, again, I have repeated that themselves, like, don't forget where you come from, never afraid to make mistakes, and always show up being honest. Because no matter who you are outside this house, when you come in, you should feel your natural self. Like if you have a fight at school, if something bad happened, just show up and tell us, and there is no one judging you. I think that has always instilled a value of confidence in me that no matter what, when I come home, I will not be judged by my parents or my family, and that was my comfort, and that's I'm still I'm still living with that today. Yeah. So of the three aspects of your identity that we talked about, which one do you think has been a bit more challenging to be transparent about? I think out of three, I would say gender. Gender being, I think in the past 20 years, I have seen a shift in the way how women are showing up. Just to go back and give you a story, there was a time like back home in my family when my mother or my aunts were expected to stay home, look after kids, and then dads and uncles are going to work. So, you know, there was a strong partition of a job well-defined. Fast forward today, I think so much have have been shifted. As women, we have more liberation. We have freedom of speech, freedom of choosing career, our partners, how we want to live, what we want to wear. However... I still feel the moment I come across, let's say, in a conference room and we are debating and brainstorming about any company policies and proceeds, and I'm sitting with very strong-willed men, if I'm putting across my observation, I still look down upon. Just because no matter... And I I used to challenge them, what if this suggestion came from a man? Mm -hmm. And they used to give me dirty looks. And But my only... My only solace was, my answer was based on, this is good for business. It's not a gender issue. I'm telling you this because I have done my research. This is what the numbers are saying. And this will make more business sense. This will save us a day. This will save us two steps. But just because it was coming from a woman, I think it was, they have not taken me seriously. Fast forward today, I would say I have encountered challenges when they say, oh, are you fighting? Are you here to break glass ceiling? And I said, I'm not here to break anything. I'm only saying I'm here to create things so we can collaborate, so we can coexist, so we can support each other. That's what I I believe in. I'm not here to prove anything. And for me, it was never about men and women. For me, they are two wheels of a car. They both have to, to do their work to go forward. It's never like somebody has to be ahead in the race. They have to work hand in hand, whether it's work or it's family. If one person, if one wheel is not working, you won't be able to progress or go to your destination. That's what I strongly believe in. I think that's a very powerful story. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Similarly to what you just discussed, have you faced any other professional or personal challenges as a result of being your full self at work? When I came back from my maternity leave, I came back, week one went by, 
I was given no task. I was given the processes to go through it again. But in one year, nothing was changed in the company, but I was given the policies and procedures again. The projects that were coming my way were like below something I was handling before my mat leave. The perception of the people around me changed as if I, I don't even exist. Like my capability to do a certain job was less just because I was away for 12 months. Um, took me a while um, to force myself in, in the same projects because it, it's a hard task, you know, when people look on and by the time. And I think perception changed so much so fast that everybody, including some of the very strong female leaders in that company at that time, that I felt that, you know, because you are a woman, you have kids, you will understand where I'm coming from. But then they were indifferent too. So for me, that was a learning lesson is like, you know what? No matter how you're going to show up, no matter how challenging projects you can deliver faster, it's a perception that you can never able to fight. You take that as a pinch of salt and you do what you're expected to do. It took me six months to come in in an awkward silence, come in in, in the kitchen and people stop talking. So it took me six months to bring myself into the conversations because data don't lie, numbers don't lie. Yeah. So I let my work make the noise. So And I, I made myself in. Things have changed because now my son is 11 years old. So it's been 11 years of me being in that situation. But I still look around. I'm not saying it hasn't gotten better. It has gone better because I see a lot of my colleagues are going on mat leave or they have come from mat leave. But the situation, I would say maybe 5% better, but the bias still exists. And I have not seen because now in a progressive country like Canada, where there is a paternity leave too, when dads come back from paternity leave, they don't get those looks. So, you know, I'm just saying we just have to be careful because there are times we are talking about two moms and two dads. So, you know what? The perception needs to be changed to make it, if you're talking about inclusion, diversity, if you can fight these small gender biases, then we are talking about climbing like a huge mountain there and it's going to be a very big task. I want to move towards a bit more general questions uh, since, like you said, you have a talent management background. So uh, I know that uh, from my past interviews, I've learned that a lot of employees come to HR departments when they want religious accommodations or disability accommodations mm-hmm. or nursing rooms or, or such things. How do you think these accommodations are being currently handled by HR departments and what could be done, done better? You know, when you say HR, um, HR means human resources. Mm-hmm. And I think um, the perception, the general perception about HR in our industry is very anti. They are always looked down. Hey, you don't listen to me, da-da-da-da-da. But for me, because Canada is now the way we are blossoming is we are heavily population with smart immigrants and this will not change. This will not change. So for me to think about spending past 16 years in HR, I believe these special accommodations are not special. When you hire someone, you're again, because you need to hire someone being authentic self, you need to bring, as you're coming in, you say, hey, this is your laptop. This is your workstation. At the same time, you have to say, hey, 
Priyanka, do you need a special pray room? This is where it is located. It should become an onboarding policy versus a special accommodation. That thought process has to change. And when I say it's only, it's not an HR only responsibility to, because HR can be a gatekeeper. You don't work with HR if you're not an HR skilled person. You work with different individuals in the company. A company culture has to be inclusive. It's not HR's job. Because tomorrow if I'm coming and interviewing with you for a job and say, hey, I'll, I'll, I really like you. As my manager, it's your duty to make sure when I'm walking in the door, I have everything to do my job. And which if means I need a special prayer room, it should not be special. It's a prayer room. It should be available. Or if, if it's a small company, there are no special prayer rooms. It's a manager's duty to say, hey, by the way, Priyanka, you know, we don't have special prayer rooms, but however, you can use a conference room, you know, like they, he or she should make you feel comfortable in all aspects of your life. Just to give an example, I had an opportunity to speak with the CEO um, yesterday and um, CEO, I can't disclose the name of the company. The CEO's company is termed as number one American company for culture. And because DX work is to work with companies all sizes and shape, and because we work with leadership to say, how do you assess your culture? Da, 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 da. So I had this opportunity to connect with the CEO and I said, you're claiming to be biggest America's culture companies all over your website. How do you even define your culture? And I said, and uh, if I have your permission, Trump is all over the news for all bad reasons. So you're saying number one, America's culture company, how? I need to know how. And he said, Priyanka, when I'm hiring someone, I'm hiring them for their skills, for their problems, for their issues, for their mental challenges. I hire a person wholesome. And I believe in three Ps, which is people, process, profits. If any company or any HR or any policymaker do reverse, which is profits, process, and people, they will not stay relevant in the long run. So coming back to your question is, it's not only an HR responsibility to provide you whatever you need to make yourself comfortable in the job. It becomes everyone's responsibility. It becomes cult company's culture and value system. And if you don't see yourself fitting in, I would recommend find out. You will hunt. You find somebody who will going to make your help. There are many companies who are spending dollars, have consultant research people that they say, let's make these accommodations not feel like special things. It should become natural. It should become a you know, a default criteria of your hiring practice because in the end, it's Canada. It's soon to be flourishing with immigrants and that's what's going to make you relevant. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think like you mentioned, I think one of the things that stood out for me was that it, it is a culture, company culture thing, but it also starts from the top. Yes. It's a tone from the top. Just to sum things up a little, I wanted to, uh, I was wondering if you had any advice for those who are considering to uncover in the workplace. I think my only advice to whoever listening this podcast is never be ashamed who you are whether if it's mean for you to coming out of the closet and declare your this is who I am, you should take time and do it. Because the, the day you're going to feel you're compromising something just to pay your bills, it's not how you need to work. Because you may able to survive, not thrive, for an year, two, three, but in the end of those years and those days, you you will be killing yourself, you're dealing with mental issues. And when I say work, you know, 
there are 3 million articles on work-life balance. You can Google it and you will get whole plethora of say this and that. My thought process is there is no work-life balance. It's only life. You need to see, show up, this is your life, which has a component of work, which has a component of your family, and you need to be your authentic self. If you have an urge that you need to cover something, it's a choice. It should not become a pressure. It should not become, yes, I, I can do this or I can do that because so-and-so will see or perceive me like this. It should come from you. It should become a personal choice, not because there is a pressure from an outside or an external factor. And where I have come from, I would highly recommend show up be your true self. Anytime you're interviewing, talk about your family, where you're coming from, what kind of commitments you have as a brother, sister, wife, husband. You have a school pickup, you have a school drop-off, you have an ailing parent at home. Don't talk about your skills. Talk about everything you're bringing on the table for the organization before they make that hire. And never give the opportunity for the employer to make a choice. For me, finding a job is like a marriage. As much as they need you, or they need or you need them it should be a compilation of yes i like you i love you we can date we can have a marriage when i say marriage we can work together and that can be only possible when each party will know everything which is deep inside rooted whether it's a dark secret i'm not saying start talking about all your kinky secrets but like if it's going to affect you how you're going to work it should be open i think that was beautiful advice and i hope that everybody Thank listening you. Uh, has the chance to listen to that and consider if they want to uncover in, in any aspect of their identity I'm so. really happy that I'm able to share my story and even if one person gets the courage to move from being in a covered situation and get the courage to be uncovered I think we will make a difference 100% and every drop makes an ocean so yeah we will move the needle great thank you so much thank you that. so much for having this me this was great This podcast is brought to you by the Institute for Gender and the Economy at the University of Toronto's Rotman School of Management. To listen to our other limited series podcasts, check out the Gate Audio channel on Apple Podcasts or the Gate Audio playlist on Spotify. For additional myth-busting research and game-changing guidance, please visit gendereconomy.org. And thanks for listening.